Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Calling about ticker symbol WISH, W I S H, it's kind of gotten a lot of attention from Wall Street bets groups, but I think underneath that, it's a great fundamental company. And provides unbiased answers. All right, looking at WISH as a symbol, context, logic. And I'm not seeing the fundamentals that you're looking at. Uh, they, they don't make money. They've never made money. Uh, their free cash flow remains deeply negative, even in a time where there's a lot of tailwinds. Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. I have a quick question about Microsoft. Looking for an entry point. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our July 26, 2021 edition, and summer is rolling through. We had a weird summer. I don't want to say storm. It rained last night, I guess, <laughs> here in uh, in Orange County, California. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, but that kind of echoes what we've seen in the market over the past week. Uh, a lot of volatility. Uh, but in the end, haven't really gone a whole lot. And we're going to unpack that on this show. Uh, we're going to talk about the oil markets. We're going to talk about past performance, uh, changes in credit scores. There's a lot to unpack today. But ultimately, I want to talk about what is on your mind, and I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So whether I'm talking about a strategy, a sector, an asset class, I'm giving it to you all without bias. I'm here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me. A lot of my data is here. I can look up things rather quickly and analyze them using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact us with your with your finance and investment questions. And I encourage you that right now during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time every weekday, unless something crazy happens, we're, we're pretty much here every single weekday answering your questions. So we're excited to do that. If you're not listening live, you're listening after hours, you can still leave your question. Same number, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. If you leave a message, we will answer it on a future show. So let's get to our first listener question now. Hey, guys. This is Travis from Iowa. Call on behalf of my sister-in-law who is looking to buy a home. They own the house they're in. A little bit nervous about what to do with the current housing market. They're seeing houses in their, that they're interested in that have been selling for, you know, half a million dollars or so in the last several years, closer to that million-dollar range. And so they're nervous that the market's gone so high that, you know, buying right now at a big risk for a big loss. So just kind of curious what your take is and what would be the, the best route to proceed, whether just to keep money in the bank and wait out the upswing in the market or uh, if they should try and just find something because uh, the cash in the bank, you know, isn't an actual physical structure. Just curious what your thoughts are. Uh, listen for the answer on the podcast. Thank you. Bye. 
All right. This is a question a lot of people are having right now. It's a, an interesting, difficult time to go buy a house. Prices are up dramatically. A lot of people are having sticker shock. Uh, but interest rates are low. And the inventory remains low, even though we had new single-family house uh, sales come in. They disappointed down 66 uh, month over month, and that's just showing that people are feeling a little bit queasy about the current prices. Now, I will always default to my main answer when it comes to your primary residence, and it always is about affordability. Can you afford that monthly payment? And does the home, do you love the home? Do you want to stay in it long term, 8, 10 plus years? Or could you potentially want to turn around two, three, four years from now and want to sell it because maybe it didn't really fit you quite as well as you hoped? Or maybe you might move jobs in the, in the next few years. That's the question you have to ask yourself first. And if the answer is, I absolutely love this home, I'm going to be happy in it because that's the number one thing. Some people put their, their financial well-being tied up in a home. And what is the point of a home if your lifestyle doesn't make you happy? So those are the factors. Can you afford it? Are you long-term? And does it fit your lifestyle? And if the answer is yes, then you just go and buy and forget about it because you're going to live a happy, comfortable life because you can afford the payment and you're happy in that home. Now, if you're worried about the short-term movement, then don't buy Clearly, you're starting to see the housing market, I've said this over the past few months, that the housing market is going to start to cool, but housing is slow. It is a very, very slow market. It's not the stock market, is it? You can't just go and uh, sell your house in seconds like you can a stock. So it's very, very different, and that means prices move slow, transactions move slow, uh, even in this market compared to the stock market. So... It's going to take some time. I always say in this market, be patient. But if something hits all your parameters, pull the trigger because happiness matters more, more than anything. Now, my focus point today is concerned concerning the headline, oil prices take a hit after massive hedge fund sales. I'm going to talk about why that happened and give you a little peek into the hedge fund world and positioning in the commodities market and what that means for the oil market in general over the next six, nine months or so. Sentiment in that market kind of has come off a bit, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more. Also, in connection with that last caller, new aid looks to be coming for mortgage borrowers at risk of foreclosure. The Biden administration, I've said this before, the housing market dynamics in the next few years is going to vary dramatically based on government policy. How are it, it's housing market, stock market has now become political football, and they don't want volatility. I've said this before. It's a lot easier to deal with politically a, a, a market where prices are going up uncontrollably, or uh, I mean, not uncontrollably, but but a lot, than a spiraling deflationary environment like 08. And this is another example of how the government's likely to step in to try to quell any market volatility in the housing market. 
Also, past performance. Can you kick the habit of chasing past performance? We're going to talk about the psychological nature of why people do that. And then lastly, if we have time, we'll unpack the new changes to FICO scores, credit scores, and what that might mean for you in getting credit. So that's on the docket for me today, but I want to obviously know what is on your mind. So I encourage you to reach out with your questions, 888-989-CHART. Let's look at the S&P today or look at the market as a whole. You had the S&P up about 10.5 points, a quarter of a percent there. You had the NYA, the NYSE, that was up 12 points. Mm, no nothing day. It was a very, very modest up day. You had the value stocks uh, outperform growth by a bit, but not a whole lot of movement overall. Really a pause. Remember, this is Fed week. Not a lot of people are talking about it. Tomorrow, I believe it is. Yeah, tomorrow they start the Fed meeting and they announce on Wednesday. Now, it's not about what their their, their interest policy is going to be. We know they're not going to raise interest rates. But QE policy right now doing 80 trillion, 80 billion, trillion, I keep, trillion is an easy number to say now because everyone says it, but $80 billion a month in treasuries, $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities. But going back to the housing market, do they really need to be buying $40 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities to support the housing market? Why? And I think a lot of the Fed policymakers are probably looking at that. If you look going back to 08, 09, housing prices are going up faster than the 05, 06 period where it was uncontrollable. Remember, if you have housing prices going up far more dramatically than incomes, over, if you do that long enough, like from 03 to 06, that becomes a bubble. Now, this is a very short-term kind of one-year thing, and I think they want to cool that a bit. So I could see them shifting their policy of QE from $80 billion, 40 to just 120 flat in the treasury market, keep the same amount of liquidity flowing into the market, but only focus on the treasury market, especially as we go into the back half of the year where the, Fed, the treasury is likely going to have to start to borrow a lot more money than they did in the first half because there were a lot of uh, tax receipts in the first half. There was a drawdown of the treasury general account, which basically is the, the treasury's checkbook, which was much higher than it is normally. They've drawn that down. And so uh, I see them having to focus more on this new issuance of treasuries in the back half of the year as stimulus kind of rolls in, talking about a three, four trillion dollar stimulus package. And and so I think that's where they're they're gonna set the market up for. And remember, Jackson Hole is about a month from now. So Jackson Hole is where all the central bankers around the world get together, and that's typically a time where they say something big, they change policy. Uh, and in this instance, it would it, it might be big for the market. I don't really think it's going to have a major impact over the, the medium term, but it could have a short term, uh, could create short term volatility as there's a lot of uh, discussion about changes in Fed policy. And that uh, that likely is not going to mean a whole lot in practice, but it could create market volatility. So that's my take on today's market. Not a whole lot doing until the Fed announcement on Wednesday. Now, this is Invest Talk Monday, and we are back to work and back to market trading today. So you will have investment and financial questions that are on your mind. And that's why I'm ready to take your calls now at 888-99-CHART. Each day, InvestTalk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email 
Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at Alibaba, B-A-B-A. Do you own it? Looking to buy it? Are you short it? What well, is it? unfortunately, Justin, I own it, and I saw an article in Barron's which uh, indicates that the Chinese government is uh, kind of cracking the whip over there and making life difficult for this uh, corporation. <clears throat> so I'm wondering, should I sell and get out even though i at, at a loss or hang in the, there? Yeah, the answer is yes. I've been sit, sounding the alarm on Chinese stocks for months now. We, we've been, we were short Alibaba. Unfortunately, we, we recovered uh, recently, and it's at a new low now. So uh, I wish we, we kept holding it. But I despise the, ha- the, the, the Chinese stocks right now. And it, and it really has all to do with policy, not only from the, go- the Chinese government, which you see happening now in crackdowns, and, and they're trying to reform their system uh, in, a, in an orderly way. They don't want to create disorder because uh, that's just how the Communist Party works over there. Uh, but also here in the United States where there's more scrutiny and, and it's more bipartisan now to really try to crack down on uh, China and their policies and the Chinese companies where there's uh, some shadiness going on to some degree in almost all of them. And so uh, there's just not a lot from a risk-reward standpoint. It's just a very poor time to be invested in it. You're down. You're, this is a terrible chart. It's below all the moving averages. Get out of Alibaba. Now, for all of you, take notice on all the Chinese names. Understand that there is a lot of of a of, of fraud there's a lot of uh, grift that goes on within these companies and not a, not much of it is really disclosed it's all well hidden uh now the chinese government like you said is kind of cracking down to some degree how far will that go we will see uh but these are not names that you want to get uh, excited about or interested in you want to be uh definitely selling if not shorting a lot of these names thanks for the call will Thank you. 99 chart, 8899-4278. Let's touch on the oil market. And this was last week when the oil prices dropped dramatically, tested support on the uh, West Texas Intermediate down about 66. Well, we bounced back. But what was interesting is that there were a lot of hedge funds that really sold a lot of their positions to the equivalent of 172 million barrels. That was the sixth highest out of more than 430 weeks since April, since early 2013 when they started tracking this. And it just shows you how quickly those, uh, you call them tourists in the uh, energy space, uh, sold off on any hint of uh, the coronavirus, uh, the, the Delta variant, etc. And the, the bullishness went from 80th percentile to 67th percentile. So we're now back into uh, not overbought territory, which I think is good. And we tested support. And I think oil prices are headed higher. Just there's not the supply coming on. There's a lot of pressure from governments to stop producing more oil. And that means higher prices. We're heading to a break. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. As we move through summer, you'll want and need unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You've come to the right place. 
Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Right, now let me unpack the oil market a bit uh, that I touched on before the break. And this is an area that is of great interest because of what's happening with the activist shareholders. You see that with uh, Exxon. There's even these ETFs now where you can – they try to get seats on the board of uh, companies where they, they see – majorly impacting climate change and and have other activists uh, reasons for intervening uh, in the board. And they're pushing for investments into green projects, as opposed to reinvestment to uh, replace depleted reserves for a lot of these oil companies. And that is going to create a problem. I'm telling you right now. Uh, I think there's a big reason why even in the midst of the Delta variant uh, and those worries that you had a small gyration. But as you can see from the stats I gave you before the break, of uh, uh, this is really just hedge funds jockeying and in, in, in uh, the easy money uh, taking profits rather quickly. They're not strong hands. They're in it for the short-term gain. And any headline, uh, they were ready to sell. And now we're back above $70 a barrel. And if you look, what was interesting to me the most was the rig count. If you look last week, you typically see oil prices up, uh, remaining above kind of $50, $60 a barrel range where a lot of opportunities become viable in the oil patch. You actually had a tick down in in rig count here in the U.S., and the growth is nowhere near. We aren't even close to back to, to pre-pandemic levels. Pre-pandemic levels, there were almost 700 oil rigs in operation here in the United States. Now there's 372. I'm talking about a 45% drop. That's incredible. And now that's, a big, that's going to be a big problem. You've seen massive draws in the oil patch of, of supply, and that's going to mean prices are going to go higher. And a lot of these companies are not putting, spending billions and billions of dollars of their profits to go back into new production. And while the green revolution, you know, you can call it great and call it whatever you want, uh, it's going to create economic growth. But if you don't have a plan to replace the lost supply of energy, it's going to create a, pro- a bigger problem. And I see $100 plus dollar a barrel oil in our near future because of the lack of supply that's going to come on uh, due to lack of investment. So uh, very interesting times. Uh, be on the lookout for that. And that's why I still think there's a lot of opportunity in that space. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So here's a question. Here are some questions that came in from iTunes reviewers. Sri68 says, love the show. Keep up the great work. Question. Would love to hear your thoughts on Crocs. 
what would a good entry point be? We all know Crocs. They make the, the funky shoes, and they've done fantastic since 2017. They almost went bankrupt back then. They were losing money in 15, 16, 17, uh, and, and they've turned themselves around dramatically. The problem is, is now they're trading at very, very high multiples, very, very high uh, valuations. You're talking about five times enterprise value to revenue. I like that they don't have a, a lot of debt like they did before to push them towards bankruptcy. So they've kind of solved that. But the multiples are just way, way too high. Now, if you're just looking for a momentum play, which this has strong momentum. It's above all the moving averages. You had good earnings that came out just a few years, few days ago. It's consolidating up here on 131. If I'm looking for an entry point, it would be a retest and a backfill of that breakout point around 120. Um, but this to me is more of a trade, not a long-term buy at these levels uh, because I just don't see this level of profitability being sustainable. But maybe you do. Now, you can leave your question inside an iTunes review at any time. And let's go to our next one, which would be, let me pull this up here. <laughs> my my uh, my producer is being a little slow. Let's see if I have it. I think I have it here. <laughs> oh, I do have it up here. I have, I'm scrolling. There we go. Now, this is from Penny Pincher, says, I am a new fan from South Carolina, assuming I don't need my federal pension or Social Security ever. Should I elect to receive checks earlier at a reduced rate? If I elect to receive early reduced checks, I would invest the entire amount, dollar cost average, into the market. I believe I can grow the money better, faster than the federal government, larger deficits, etc. How do I go about doing this calculus to arrive? So the first thing is, no, I don't think it's worth it. Why? Because if you take... For example, if you take your Social Security at 62 versus your full retirement age, which depending on your, uh, your date of birth is going to be 66 or 67, you're going to get 30% less. Now, that's 30% reduction every single year. Okay, so the longer you wait, you're guaranteed more money. You wait past full retirement age, you're getting 8% above that full retirement age uh, payout every single year until you're age 70. So if you don't need the money, you wait until 70. It is guaranteed. You can talk about the deficits. They're not going to get rid of Social Security. You've seen that. They're just going to print money. They're going to, they're, there's maybe other, other unintended consequences, but you absolutely wait to take that. Right into a break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak 
listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24 7 in the Invest Talk voice bank. 888 99Chart. Hey, good morning, Steve and Justin. I just want to say thank you guys for all you do. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now every morning on my way to work. And I love your guys' insight. Calling about ticker symbol WISH, W-I-S-H, it's kind of gotten a lot of attention from Wall Street bets groups. But I think underneath that, it's a great fundamental company. Uh, it's one that's going to compete in the e-commerce world in the future. I see a lot of upside in it from what I'm seeing. I'm looking for some short-term gains on it, but also a long-term position on it. So just want to get your guys' thoughts on the company uh, overall and, and the moves they're making um, as far as their fundamentals. I think they're really strong. So, you know, look forward to hearing the answer on the podcast. Thank you guys again. All right, looking at Wish as a symbol, context logic. And I'm not seeing the fundamentals that you're looking at. Uh, they, they don't make money. They've never made money. Uh, their free cash flow remains deeply negative, even in a time where there's a lot of tailwinds of uh, online shopping. And I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, they provide personalized products, clothing products, accessories, gaming products. It's just a website for a bunch of cheap stuff. And uh, their margins are very, very low. Let's look at their yeah, net margins are negative 28%. I just don't see what you're seeing when it comes to great fundamentals. They have good revenue growth year over year, 75%. This year, they're supposed to lose fifty-two cents a share, which is better from a, than a dollar losing a dollar twenty-six last year. But they lost a dollar twenty-six when everyone was at home. I just don't see anything exciting about this company. Uh, I I know their brand. Uh, I'm a Lakers season ticket holder, and it's on the their jersey. Um, but I just do not see the. That just does, doesn't interest me. Uh, it looks it looks like a better short than a long. Thanks for the call. Now, here are some additional questions from our iTunes reviewers. Spencer from Athens, Georgia. So they just had a question about tickers, PLBY, EAF, and HCSG. If you could talk about the long-term outlook for these companies and good price targets, I'd appreciate it. Well, uh, those three companies, and I'm going to break them down real quick. Playboy has had a nice pullback. Great buying opportunity in my mind. I have a very long-term, strong view that this is a brand that's worth way more than right now, less than a billion dollars. So uh, they're, they're, they're run by good management now. They're doing a lot of great things. They bought have a couple of great acquisitions recently with Honey Burdett and and uh, and uh, Yandy and some other, other endeavors uh, that are really going to propel this brand much higher, I believe, than the billion-dollar market cap it is today. Okay? Still like them. EAF... Uh, that's been had shoddy profitability up and down 
Uh, I generally like the space, but uh, I don't like the the trend of the business, just negative revenue and earnings growth for the past seven quarters in a row. The chart is eh, I'm passing on it. Uh, HCSG, it's cheap, but and we used to own this for clients, but uh, found better opportunities, sold it. Um, I think we made a decent profit, but we we moved on. Decent yields, uh, but I'm going to pass on it as well. Just It's just okay. Uh, I, you know, I've been following it. doesn't get me super excited. Now let's talk to D... Did you? I don't say. I don't know how to say the, the user's name, but could you please tell me if BMEX could be a long-term investment with a dollar-cost average approach? Now, this is a covered call mutual fund, so I like that. Uh, but the problem here is that the expense ratio is one point one percent, and you're paying a front load of five point two five percent. Uh-uh. You should not be paying a front-end load. I love covered call strategies. Uh, we execute it on behalf of uh, of our clients, uh, our equity income plus strategy. I think that, I think it's a great strategy for a lot of clients that are looking to be moderately aggressive. Uh, a lot depends on execution, and this one has a dec- I think decent execution over the, over the long term. But you're paying 1.1 percent annually, and you're paying a 12b1 fee to whoever's selling it to you. They're also getting a front end load of 5.25 percent. You know, our our average client pays about a little over 1% as well. And, you know, this is this is just a mutual fund. We're a full-service broker. So call me up <laughs> is what I would say. I don't think this is a, a, a great opportunity because of those high fees and that load. Now let's pivot back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from a listener in California at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. This is Steve from Brisbane, California. I have a question about Primoris services, P-R-I-M. Wonder if now would be a good time to get into this stock. It looks like it's uh, an infrastructure stock and it's been trending down, but maybe it's been moving up. I, I'm not really sure. Would now be a good time to get into the stock? Thank you, Steve. All right. Looking at Primoris, P-R-I-M. And what they do is they provide maintenance services for power plants, refineries, and mechanical facilities. So, yeah, they have five different operating segments. Uh, they operate in the pipeline space, petrochemical. Uh, they do repairs on utilities, uh, utility uh, line installations and maintenance, uh, electric distribution. So I like this space overall. I will say that. Now let's look at the business. This year is supposed to make two dollars and forty-three cents. That's up from two seventeen last year to two seventy-eight next year expected. So solid, consistent grower there. Revenue up ten percent last quarter, fourteen percent the quarter before. 0.8 percent yield, one point five billion dollar market cap. So it's uh, definitely in the small cap space. But trailing twelve months, two hundred fifty-one million dollars in free cash flow. I like that. Historically, the return on equity over the last decade is averaged in the mid to high teens. I like that. I like that. I like this business. The chart has pulled back. 52-week high was up around $41.76. Now we're at $28.52. But you go to a weekly chart. It's Right now it's trading on the daily right around the 200. But if you go to a weekly, it's just pulled back to its 50-week moving average. And pretty good support right here around 28. I'm going to give this a thumbs up from a technical perspective from a fundamental perspective and just understanding the 
the trends in this particular industry, like you said, infrastructure play. And I like that as well. So I'm going to give Premoris Services a thumbs up. P-R-I-M is the symbol. Thanks for the call. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. Now I want to highlight a Biden administration uh, potential measure that they are going to implement, a program they're going to implement. Uh, and they announced this on Friday, and it's their bid to prevent a sharp rise in foreclosures. I've said this for ever since the COVID crisis. It is absolutely clear. And if you aren't seeing it, you're not paying enough attention. It's so clear that government is so here to save markets, the housing market, the stock market. They are going to do whatever it takes to keep prices elevated. Now, they may fail at some point. But this is an example of why they're not going to let a ton of foreclosures hit the market and the housing market crash. Uh Uh-uh. You know, the housing market might cool, etc. But this is what they're imp- trying to implement. It's a program that will allow borrowers with loans backed by Federal Housing Administration and other federal federal agencies, which are seventy five percent of new home loans. And they're what they're doing is they're helping so called forbearance program that allowed these pe- these people that have federally backed mortgages to skip payments for up to 18 months. Now, about 1.55 million homeowners are seriously delinquent, meaning they have not made a payment in 90 days. Now, the bulk of those have for- have forbearance plans, and they may-, may be at risk, especially since the national foreclosure ban is set to expire at the end of this month, in just a few days. Now, that $1.55 million represents about 2.9% of the 53 million active mortgages in the U.S. Now, that is down from its August-September peak of about 4.4% of all mortgages. Now, a lot of those forbearance plans are set to expire here in September and October. And the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau just completed rules that restricts mortgage lenders from foreclosing on properties this year without first reaching out to them and offering them a lower interest rate or other ways to make it easier to repay. And this plan is aimed to reduce monthly payments by up to 25%. A lot of these people are lower income, uh, those that are still in forbearance and they work in the hospitality industry and maybe lost their jobs, etc. And so that's really what is happening here. And this is a perfect example of the government's going to come in. And, and this is not me saying this is good or bad. I'm not here to opine on whether this is a smart policy or, or, or bad policy. This is the policy. And that's all that matters, people. That's why we say this is an unbiased show because we're just giving you the facts, how it's going to impact markets, how is it going to impact asset classes. And this is just one example. There's going to be another example where they say this, that, and that, and the other. And that's where we're at today. That's the bottom line. And you just have to be prepared for that 
and understand that situation. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how this affects the housing market. But it shows you government's in there trying to help people stay in their homes and keep oversupply from happening in the market. Now, if 2021 feels like it's moving fast, well, it is. Summer is well underway. We're almost through the first month of the third quarter. And we've seen a bit of volatility here, and you need to be prepared to handle volatility in the back half of the year. It's not going to be easy. Is easy. The first half was the easy money. The second half is going to be very different. So if you need help understanding your risk, your strategy, if it's the right way to go, if it's uh, there's a better way to go, reach out to us. Give us a call. Send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461 and set up a free portfolio review. We can do it via telephone or go to meetings. It's very simple. We can talk about whatever is on your mind. And we operate with the same philosophy at KPP as we do here, which is independent thinking and shared success. Meaning we practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. And so I encourage you, no obligation, just give us a call. We'd love to help you in any way. Next up on Invest Talk, another unbiased answer to a listener question. We will play that question in one minute. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. And Steve and Justin, thank you for your loyalty. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Your rating is a vote of confidence that leads to higher visibility and causes more people to discover and listen to Invest Talk. So please tell your friends and family members about the free Invest Talk downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and InvestTalk.com. Remember to include your brief question when you review and rate on iTunes. And of course, your calls are always welcome 24-7. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is uh, Donald. I am from Pennsylvania. My comment is for Justin. I called the other day and uh, was saying that I was uh, going to establish a position in two shipping companies. And I just uh, wanted to thank Justin for uh, keeping me from making a decision that I didn't do enough research on. I was wondering, he made a comment, the stocks that I was looking at, DHT, the other one was a Nordic American. He said that they were somewhat value destructive. I was wondering if you could kind of define that and comment on it a little bit further. Very interesting term. Never know that I've heard it before. I was wondering if you'd please spend some time to define that a little further. I took notes. I'm looking at them right now. Again, thank you. I'll listen for the answer. Appreciate it. Bye. Well, that's, that's fairly simple. Uh, value destruction is where, over time, the allocation of capital by the management of the company is not in the best interest of the shareholders and destroying shareholder capital. That's either through uh, negative return on investment, uh, return on assets, return on equity, etc., cetera, uh, negative free cash flow, and the way that they stay in business is they issue more shares. Okay, so uh, I think, was it Diana Shipping? I think it was one of them. Yeah, DSX is a, is, is a good example. And 
This is a company. Let me go pull this uh, this data up real quick so I can give you a bit of context here. But typically, it's about issuing more shares consistently and not earning above their cost of capital. Return on equity for data shipping has kind of been negative on average for the past decade or so. Uh, their shares outstanding uh, were as high as 105 million shares, up from 81 million in 2011. Uh, the other one, I think it was DHT. That one has, let's see, shares out saying 171 million shares uh, today. 2011, there's only 5 million shares outstanding. So uh, to keep the company in business, they're just issuing more and more shares. Good example, 2011, they did 100 million in revenue, 5 million shares outstanding. Trailing 12 months, they did 566 million, and there's 171 million shares outstanding. Look at that level of dilution and value destruction that that company has created over the last decade. Now, there can be years over the past year, they've done well because the shipping industry is doing well. But historically, those ebb and flow quickly and dramatically, and you don't want to be in these type of names longer term. Thanks for the call. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom, and that work continues after this final break. So give us a call, 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced, or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Let's go talk to Lewis in Seattle looking at Silgan Holdings. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Um, I'm looking to buy it. I see it had a little bit of a pullback, and I like that it's been steady growing over the past five years, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't seem too volatile. I'm just wondering what the future you think of earning was going to be. Yeah, I, I like this uh, name. This is Silgan Holdings. They manufacture about half of the metal food containers in North America. So their major customers are Campbell Soup, Nestle, Del Monte. And you're right. It's done very well. Obviously, their business has been helped by the pandemic. So I think there's a bit of reversion of the mean over the uh, medium term. But to me, that's just short-term noise. I like to look, uh, going back to the last caller, about value, destruction, or creation. And this is a company whose return on equity has averaged in the low 20% range, actually probably mid-20% range, for the past decade, which is very, very robust, very, very strong, has had positive free cash flow every single year, has been raising its dividend from $0.22 cents a share all the way up to $0.50 cents a share uh, recently. So it yields currently about 1.4%. It doesn't sound like a big growth. This is a good example of people looking for, uh, for yield and they're chasing for 6 7% payers. But this is a name that will probably consistently grow over time and not dramatically, not 50 60% a year, but 8 10 12% a year consistently. And I really like that. So I like what you're looking at. It has pulled back down about 11% off its 52-week high of 44.55. Now we're at about right around $40 a share 
up nicely today, 53 cents. So I'm going to give this a, a solid thumbs up. From a valuation perspective, enterprise value to EBITDA is right around 10, which is right around its long-term average. So it's not expensive from that metric either. So not uh, averagely priced, uh, very high, consistent profitability, consistent growth. It's Let me look. Is it buying back shares? It's buying back shares. Uh, 2011, there were 141 million shares outstanding. Now there's only 112. So they're doing smart things. They're paying a dividend. They're buying back shares. And it's just a fantastic, consistent business. It's not exciting, but some of the best businesses in the world are not exciting. So I'm giving this a thumbs up, Lewis. I love it. Thanks for the call. Now I think we can squeeze in one more caller question before we call it a day. So let's play it right now. Hi, Duncan here from New York. Hope you're having a great weekend. I have a quick question about Microsoft. Very popular stock, obviously. Looking for an entry point there. Like the idea that they're starting to get into cybersecurity. So I'm looking for a long-term play. Thank you very much. Looking at Microsoft. Bye. Well, I love Microsoft as a company. I think uh, I've heard great things about the new Windows uh, was it 11, 12, 11, I think. And no, it was 12. I'm using Windows 11, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so I, I've seen great things about that. Uh, cybersecurity, that's good. But it's just expensive. Uh, you're talking about 40 times forward earnings. It just makes me a little queasy. Consistent grower. Um, it's a fang name, you know. It's a good business. Uh, there's a lot of regulatory risk here still. Uh, along with a lot of the thing names. So it's overbought. I don't know. Just okay. doesn't really get me uh, excited. It's not cheap. Uh, it's just the fact that it's a good company. That's that's really it. But I worry about that valuation. I worry about the uh, regulatory risk. And so that's why at these prices, I'm passing on Microsoft. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. They can get for free anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. You can go over to Invest Talk and browse by topic 401k, precious metals, growth stocks, Chinese stocks, whatever is on your mind. Just read the title episodes, and you can find a topic of interest. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. 
And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. 